early on in this pandemic, we were all praising healthcare workers. People are, are not doing that same thing. And I think there is a huge need of, of that, especially during these holidays. This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. I'm David Schifrin. We got a great response from you all on the last podcast featuring Kim Fox and Tim Stewart, so we asked them to come back for another round. We felt like there's been a strange tension between moments of optimism and hope and, frankly, pessimism thanks to the slog of ongoing bad news and now the third surge of COVID, and we asked Kim and Tim to talk about that. They are never ones to sugarcoat things, and the resulting conversation is what I can only describe as real talk. Let us know what you think by hitting us up on Twitter at Gerard Inc. or contacting us at GerardInc.com. And as always, be sure to subscribe to High Stakes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. So how long have we been away from our office? Since March 13th. And we're going into the holiday season. I think people are going to handle the holiday. Either they're going to go all out and decorate the heck out of everything, or they're going to say, I can't even motivate myself to do this. But I'm, I'm excited about the vaccine situation. This has given me hope that... We will end this at maybe the year mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the vaccine news is positive for sure. I I just, the general landscape beyond that, I think is really challenging in a lot of ways and in a lot of ways that are not soon to change or not easily fixed. Like, so we've got the vaccine possibility and, you know, yeah. maybe six months from now that'll, but if you look at those stories, and you know the the Atlantic story is a good example, or you know the um, nurse in South Dakota who went viral on Twitter last weekend talking about the number of patients that she has with COVID who are still denying the existence of COVID, we're dealing with things that are way bigger than just like okay, how do we get to herd immunity? And, and I think that like, great, let's have a vaccine. I'm not sure how many people are putting that in their bodies next year. Uh, And and how do we move people who are dying of COVID and denying that COVID exists to a place where they're willing to accept a vaccine without thinking that it's some, you know, transnational conspiracy? Like, I think that all, and, uh, you know, we've got this sort of like moment of unreality. We've got a president who lost an election and won't leave. We've got people dying of COVID who won't admit that they have COVID. It's, there's a mass denial of what reality is for a lot of people. And I'm not sure how we put it all back together. <laughs> is that cheery? <laughs> it is not, but it is sort of where we are. You know, one, I was talking to one of my clients about we're doing some vaccination work, um, communication work. We're not working on a vaccine. Let me be, let me be clear about that. <laughs> we're working on the communications of it. We um, don't want me working on a vaccine, but we're working on on the plans for how we communicate this. And of course, the first wave is to our own employees, right? Because they're they're going to be the ones to get to get the vaccine first. And I I am very concerned, as you are, about how employees, team members are going to react to that. So are they going to welcome it with open arms and say, this is so exciting, it gives me hope, Uh, it makes me feel safer going to work? I'm hopeful that that's sort of how how employees, healthcare workers respond to it. But what if they don't? I I think people are going to look to the nurses and look to these doctors that are caring at the bedside 
and saying and, and waiting to see if they how they respond to the to the vaccine. Are they going to take it? Are they going to you know open, you know lift up their sleeve and say let's go, or are they going to are they going to want to want to wait? That's going to be a big 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 indication of how other people will react to it. Because if a nurse says, look, I took it, I feel safer, I'm going to work, I, I feel better about sort of my family situation because I know I'm not going to be bringing COVID home, if that's the response, to, then I think that's a story that we can tell. If the reaction is the opposite of that, that is going to be really, really tough. And, and along those lines, some of what, what makes a vaccine work, you know, at a scientific level, but also on a psychological level, is that is that it's collective, like the, you know that we have enough people doing it to make it effective. And I think there are real concerns about our ability to do anything collectively right now. So like yeah. the expectations have moved, but I'm also not willing to pretend like you know nationally the vast majority of people have been like yep we'll mask indoors and we'll stay away from people and everything's been fine there's been no collective responses so you know it's different in different areas of the country yeah. you know where i live in chicago we've been masking in grocery stores since april or whatever right. there are mask ordinances going up in places that previously did not have them right. iowa michigan is doing it again um, and people are reacting like it's tyranny. Yeah. And so I, I just think we haven't calibrated correctly what a, a collective response looks like. And so that even the barest minimum of a collective response is like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I got to do me. Don't tell me what to do. I can do what I want. Well, I, I get it. I, I just think that, you know, this maybe. This is about optimism, right? We're, we're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. Optimism. It is. Oh, oh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> So, but if you go back and if we could go back in time and do this differently, um, and not just the response from the White House, I think we even messaged this wrong early on. And I, I think uh, if we could go back, I think we could do we could do so many things differently, and I think it would we would have maybe a better outcome. I mean, it is a pandemic. It is a virus. It doesn't really care. It has no feelings. It just you know destroys. But could we have done this better? Yes. But I, I do think there's this sense of dread and speak, speaking of opt optimism and the opposite of that, that the media has not done a great job of talking about this. Every headline has a big, huge but in it. We have the vaccine coming, but you should do this, but any ray of hope, there was always with a but. Yep. People like have to have hope. You have to have something to look for. That's just our makeup. And there was nothing, and there still is nothing. Hopefully the vaccine is gonna be that hope. But for, for these months and months and months, there has been dread and negativism and uh, just one thing after the next to the point where people are at a breaking point. And so I have to, to forgive them a little bit for giving everybody the middle finger. Right. And yeah, saying, I'm done. Yeah. Here's something I'm curious your perspective on, because you mentioned earlier sort of where um, the impact of frontline you know, nurses, doctors, and as it relates to the vaccine. I've been thinking a little bit recently about how over the course of this year, the, the gulf between 
the people caring for patients and the people running hospitals is probably wider than it's ever been on like an actual sort of day-to-day interaction level. The people in administrative roles to some degree, and this is not universal, I think there's a wider gulf between sort of the the leaders, the people we're talking to on a day-to-day basis, CEOs, the you know, head communication heads and all that, that the the gulf between them and the front lines has never been wider, I don't yeah. think. Because those people are a lot by and large working from home, you know, or working remotely. And if they are in the facilities, they're not walking around at the same level. And I'm wondering as we look ahead, what that sort of gulf means for these organizations. I, I think it's I think it's huge. And I think what, what we're seeing at least sort of the last, I don't know, a few weeks or so as as some of our clients are doing employee surveying, I mean the the drop is huge and they seem somewhat shocked by that. And so I think there's a huge gulf. And there's also a gulf between not just the C-suite and, and the folks that are on the front lines dealing with you know COVID every single day is that those sort of, I don't know if you call overhead back office workers, I mean, folks like communications people that are working from home, all the people that are doing billing, all, you know, all of the other departments that are able to do their jobs from home and are very important to keeping the world running, right? The business world of healthcare running, very important. There's, there's a gulf there too. They're, they're, um, you know, working, sitting just like you and I are today in their homes what they need to do to keep things running but there's also a gulf there as well and and there's this lack of i don't i don't know if it's understanding i just i guess i guess you can't know what it's like to to do what healthcare workers are doing every day now unless you're living it it's like you can't you don't know what what they're feeling you just can't you can't possibly know and so there is a, a huge gulf there and, and and misunderstanding and and all of those sorts of things it's going to be really hard to overcome now, another thing is early on in this pandemic, we were all praising healthcare workers. I mean, there was people drawing, kids drawing chalk drawings on the you know sidewalks outside of hospitals and, and folks cheering people as they were at shift change going to work and sending letters and meals. Right. That has completely stopped. Right. People are, are not doing that same thing. And I think there is a huge need of, of that, especially during these holidays as these, these healthcare workers, these nurses and doctors and others they're not going to be taking days and days and days off of work during the holidays like some of us are, right? They're going to be taking care of folks that are very, very sick and they are not going to get a break and they, they need some recognition, some something. And I think it's up to our, our, us communications folks, C-suite people, accountants, revenue cycle people, whoever to, to realize that, that our healthcare workers need a boost, man, they got to have something. It's a slog, and they're they're seeing a, they don't see any light at any end of any tunnel right now. Right, and thinking sort of, I, I guess this is this is the version of optimism where I've like imagined the scenario past the pandemic, but then it gets bleak again. Um, so we're past the pandemic, or we're you know in a more stabilized zone as far as you know hospitalizations, and, and we've got the vaccine, and people are you know, living with it to a much greater degree middle of next year than we were all of this year. I am 
going to be very interested and concerned to see what it looks like for those healthcare workers and whether we see a sort of mass exodus from healthcare. For I know, I'm worried about that too. And physicians who are just, who, who I think understandably are broken by this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm worried about that too. And I'm worried about all of the folks that were young, young people that were considering going into the healthcare field. Are they gonna say, uh, no, thank you. Right. Or are they going to say, I'm going to go in the fray, they need me? I, I think that the question then becomes for sort of our clients, the organizations we work with, like, how do you make yourself attractive to the people that you're talking about, Kim? I, I think that we've, you know, particularly in like major health systems, major hospitals, even, uh, you know, at a community level, it's always been an attractive employer. Like, that's always been yes. a sort of like, there's a natural you know, gravitational pull, people who want to have their work have meaning. It's generally pretty stable jobs. It's been a pretty easy draw, I think, mm -hmm. for a lot of hospitals and health systems. So thinking to a future where it's not as automatic, how do we draw people? How do we attract people post-pandemic to mm -hmm. this world? You know, I think we have to hold up and share the stories of our our folks. You know, when it we do that now, of course, but even after this is done, is I think that appeals to certain people. It's there are people out there that want to make a difference and save lives and do good. And thank goodness for those people. I hope there's a lot of them still out there after all of this. So how can we do better, right? How can we do better as healthcare organizations? I do think let's not forget what we did early on in the pandemic, lifting up our healthcare workers and, and celebrating them. We need that again. That was not just something we can be one and done with, especially now and when we're sort of, I mean, I'm hoping this is like the last, the, sort of the, the beginning of the end of this, maybe. Let's let's think that, that that is. And so it's true we can now say, all right, we got a, you know, a few more months of this and we, we can see some, you know, an end of sorts coming. Right. That's encouraging because before, like you had, it was just sort of this darkness ahead of you. You couldn't see any light because you just didn't know. And so now that at least there's some, you know, the vaccine does provide some light. I, I think that's got to be hopeful. And so let's not give up now on, on making sure that we're telling people how much we appreciate them and how important they are and all of those sorts of things. And I don't think we're doing that enough. And that it sounds a little trite, but I don't, I don't think we're doing it enough. And not just to sending a letter, like let's send an all users email and, and call that done. We got to do actual things, and, and it's so that's, interesting I think, to think about what, the, but what rises to the level that feels like real appreciation yeah. at this point? Because you know, I, I was reading something earlier today about a health system that sent out a letter to all employees saying, you know, thanks for everything you've done this year. We're giving everyone a thousand dollar bonus, and the response was not universally positive to that. People were like, oh, great. So, uh, so you're giving me $620 after taxes for the worst right. year of my life. Yeah. I've seen several instances of that same thing, Tim, where there was monetary uh, benefit to employees that was not received very well, whether it's a raise or whatever it is, uh, was just sort of like, well, thanks for that. Right. I, I think it has to be personal, but when you have, you know, 3000 nurses or whatever you have, that's difficult to do. And and the middle managers, the folks that are managing these folks are just as tired 
and exhausted right. as the nurse that's by the bedside because they're probably doing a lot of bedside work too. You can't say, all right, middle managers, like do better, right. you know, with a thumbs up. That's important. Certainly they're the managers, employees appreciate recognition from their managers more than anybody, but I think there needs to be some personal touches, you know, whether it's rounding, whether it's personal notes, you know, whether the whole C-suite or the whole accounting department or the marketing communications teams did together and everybody writes two notes, but it's got to be personal. And I, and it doesn't have to be like a lot of money because we don't have a lot of that right now, but it, it's got to be personal recognition that like, hey, all you nurses out there, great job. Yeah. I mean, to our earlier point, I think that it also matters, and I think we've talked, we've mentioned this probably uh, every month since the pandemic started, but I think our leaders need to be visible, particularly over the holidays. I yes. think like if you haven't been sort of on the floor in a little while because, you know, your job's really demanding and you're doing, you got to get out there and like people need to see that their leaders are in it with them as these things spike and particularly in areas where these spikes are happening for the first time mm-hmm. um that there needs to be a feeling of sort of that that we are all in it together at least within the organization that the the ceo is walking around and is somebody who's saying hi to people is making sure people are all right like that is meaningful to people mm-hmm. that is something that i think that we sometimes forget, but like, especially in a big organization, having the CEO come through and ask how you're doing, that's something that that nurse is telling her family about, telling her friends about, like it creates a a sort of wave of good feeling around what you're trying to accomplish. And and this is not to like, come down on C-suites. Everybody knows how exhausted and tired and busy they are as well, trying to hold stuff together. Right. I uh, want to be clear about that. But I do agree, those those personal touches, people want to be seen and noticed for themselves, right? Not as a mass group of nurses or a mass group of doctors. They want to be seen individually. So how right. do we do that? That's sort of where we got to go. And it does take time. Um, and it does take energy, um, but man, it's so needed right now. Quick narration break here. At this point, we took a bit of a detour during recording and ended up asking each other about the role of healthcare provider organizations as a source of truth and where and how they should actively take a stand on issues and push out information. This next bit picks up after we closed back in on that question. We need to come together on a shared set of facts are the things that happen here and the things that are impacting what happens here and and the things that we're doing as a group to battle this pandemic. I think it's more the start of a conversation than it is a leader dictating, here are the facts. I think think there's a lot of value in using this moment to start a conversation where we come to agreed facts, where we come to an agreed sense of purpose that is different than our just overarching mission, vision, and values, whatever. But like, I, I could see real value in leaders right now bringing people together, virtually, masked, whatever, to have sort of a pandemic purpose. Like, how do we how do we define the challenge of our organization as we look at the next six months? And that's something that we're all going to do together. I could see that having some real resonance. Yeah, I think it. I, I agree, Tim. It has to be about about us, like as an organization, right? Us. Here's what we believe. 
Right. Because I think we, we all know that, you know, there are a number of our clients who are wrestling with having employees who aren't, you know, totally bought in on preventive measures and whatnot. So if, if we can build that story together, bring in all of those internal voices hashed out together, and then make a statement of who we are as an organization, what do we believe about the best ways to sort of handle this in the community over the next few months? I think there could be power to that. Is it too late for that? I mean, yes, but also no. <laughs> like, right. isn't this like that dumb story about the, the guy walking the beach, throwing the starfish back into the ocean and it yes. mattered to that one? Like, I think there's yeah. some moment there. Like, so I think we may as well give it a shot. Mm-hmm.